Thanks for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and follow at Church in the City. So, as Steve mentioned, we, uh, we've started something really exciting, and we started it last week. And what is it that we're actually doing? And what are we going to be doing as a church family on Sunday mornings for the next nine weeks, including today? What we're doing is unpacking what has really been an expression of what God has been revealing to us corporately as the local church, church in the city. And isn't that always what we want to do when we get together? We always want to be asking the question, God, what are you saying? Because we know you speak in accordance with your word. And so as you speak to us, Lord, we, we listen to you and we, we rest on the authority of your word. And man, our Sunday celebration should always be that. We're always going to contend for that. And we've embarked on a little bit of a journey. And this journey stems from this sense in our hearts collectively that God, over the last 14 years of this church, has laid in an incredible foundation. Not due to us, not our work. God has laid it in. Jesus is building his church. And over these last 14 years, Steve shared in a, in a somewhat of a prophetic picture over these last few weeks, it's as if God over, these last, uh, over this last decade and a half has laid a foundation, and just now we're starting to get this sense that the first bricks are being laid above ground. And any of you who know anything about buildings know that the foundation is the most essential part of a building. If the, sound, if the, if the foundation is askew or off or damaged or shifted in any way, it has ramifications for the rest of the building, no matter how well the rest of the building is built or how shiny or fancy it looks. So we've embarked on a journey to respond to what God has been revealing to us. And it's really a re-examining and a sharpening of who we actually are. It's a re-founding of ourselves on the timeless, vivid, and vibrant identity that we have in Jesus. It's a re-founding, standing firm there. It's a refocusing on the distilled, undiluted ministry that we partner with the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in walking out. It's that ministry of reconciling people to God that Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians. It's when Acts 1 says, let me tell you all of what Jesus began to do and teach. And then a few verses later, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. There's a partnership that we're refocusing on. And we've called this journey a relaunch of some sort, of our vision and values. But really, I think it's it's more accurate to just call it a sharpening. It's a deeper admission, a clearer proclamation of who we are, how we see the world, and the world we long to see. So are we changing who we are? Are you all of a sudden at a different church? No, you're not. No, you're not. I will still be as corny today as I was. I will dispel that right away. We're not changing who we are. We're more recognizable to ourselves. We're actually recognizing ourselves more clearly. You know, almost 11 years ago in July of 2007, I married my wife, Jess. I know. Decision numero uno. (laughs) At that moment when we said our vows, we were completely married. We were married fully, just as married as we are today. We have not gotten any more married, but let me tell you, 11 years in, I have a sharper understanding of what it means to be Jess's husband. 
I have a sharper understanding, a clearer proclamation of what it means for us to be a couple. And I hope and pray that 11 years from now, I'll look back at this moment and go, that guy had no idea what he was even preaching. <laughs> he, he really knows. We are who we are, and who we are has not changed, but we're recognizing ourselves more. So in short, we're celebrating more robustly who we are in Jesus. And that celebration is bringing into focus how God has called us to uniquely express this locality of church. So it's a real privilege and honor to be here with you, (laughs) to be with you in that relationship. So what's that going to look like in the coming weeks? Well, we as elders are going to be taking these next nine Sundays and communicating somewhat of a framework And we're going to use words like belief and values. And we're not giving a statement of faith. This is our statement of faith. And some of you theologians are like, eh, that's a little too complicated. Well, it's 66 books written by over 40 authors over a thousand and a half years. It's it's complicated. It's complex. We will be proclaiming all the time, left and right, what we believe. This framework is not the summation of that. It's an expression of that. The framework is not a rigid structure. We're not erecting a corporate monument to what the, the, the riverbanks are going to be for us as a church. We're crafting an expression that is hopefully going to be effortless. It's hopefully going to be you and me saying, absolutely, that's who we are. I want to go to that church. I do go to that church. <laughs> so as we teach through these coming weeks, my prayer is that it's going to be somewhat of a domino effect, that Sunday by Sunday, as we express this framework, it leads so clearly into the next one, and we go, oh, of course that has to come next. Of course this leads to this. Of course this is expressed in that way. Yes, yes, yes. So where does this all rest? Where does this framework absolutely have its foundation? Steve landed last week. At a very core belief, it is our core belief. It's the foundational belief of church in the city that actually has never changed or shifted and we're not moving from it now. And it's this, in light of what God has revealed about himself, about us, and his intention for every single person, this is irrevocably true. The power and presence of Jesus deeply transforms lives by gifting us intimacy with the Father and by freeing us from everything that holds us down. And holds us back. That's the belief. It's, it's what motivates us at our core. It's what switches us on. And causes, us, causes in us a desire to move. And this belief has a specific response. There's an emanating rallying cry that necessarily has to come forth from it. It's a distilled expression of our desire. And in the past, we've used the word vision to sort of describe and define what that is. But we're actually going to use a different word. We're going to use the word banner to explain this. because It's not that vision's a bad word, but, but banner denotes a taking up. You hold that part. I hold this part. We take it up together. Whereas, it's not, again, not that vision is bad, but it, it, we're not corporately holding to something. We're collectively taking up something. That's a rallying cry. And that rallying cry is this. All of Jesus... For everyone. All of Jesus for everyone. Out of our belief that his power and presence deeply transform lives, all of Jesus for everyone is our rallying cry. You can be excited. I am. (laughs) 
Today and next week, we're going to be unpacking this. It's the cry that defines our mission. It's the answer to the questions. Why do we share the gospel? Why do we have a chosen women's conference? Why do we go into businesses and organizations to pray? Why is Groundbreakers happening right now, proclaiming his glory to the next generation? Why did we put the coffee on? Why did we put the signs out? Why do you host a connect group? Because all of Jesus for everyone. I haven't even started the sermon part, so don't start the clock. (laughs) And this banner, in order for it to be outworked and taken up together, we're going to have to contend for certain things together as a church. We're going to have to gently hold ourselves and clearly hold ourselves accountable together in certain ways. And those certain things are called our values. And our values, well, we've identified five key values. And those are going to be preached later in the series, so don't go anywhere, and stay tuned. And in the coming weeks, we'll share what they are. And lastly, those of you who like lists and puzzles and things to be put together, you're salivating. I've never seen you so interested in a sermon that I'm preaching, and you're saying, this is so great. It's so warm and wonderful. It's awesomeness. It's so nicely put out. And the question is, how is it shared with the world? How is it shared with the world? Is it impactful? Is it meaningful? So we know our belief that the power and presence of Jesus deeply transforms lives and that emanates from us in all of Jesus for everyone. We contend for it with our values, but what is our essential flavor to the world? How do we interact with and impact the world? And we're going to call that our ethic, our ethic. And we've identified two key truths that are going to underpin our interaction with the world. And those will also be preached later in the series. (laughs) So stay extra tuned. Our belief, our banner, our values, our ethic, it's the framework, not the hard work. It's the expression, not the rigidity. Who we are, how we see the world, and the world we long to see. Now you can start the clock on my sermon. (laughs) Today we're going to unpack, begin unpacking that rallying cry, our banner, all of Jesus for everyone. And I'm going to hone in on the first part of that, all of Jesus And the reality is all can be a pretty preposterous thought. All is kind of nonsensical if you really think about it. All is what we always want and we never want to give. And all is really a zero-sum game. All is or it isn't. It's not like you just got over the threshold. It's not a gray area. It's not a distinction of something. It is the definition of something. It's all. It's a zero-sum reality. Jess and I have four kids, and the first two are our daughters, so they're our oldest, and so that means for the first half of our parenting, it was me and the girls. And Jess used to um, just sit back and snicker at me because I'm putty in my girls' hands. I'm literally powerless, and she would just watch things happen, and I would just look and be like, yeah? And she's just like, I don't even know what to say to you. (laughs) And then we had Gideon. (laughs) And then there was a slight shift in the household, and Jess began to experience the candy-eyed powers of a little boy. (laughs) And a couple weeks ago in our house, uh, it was breakfast time, and Gideon is sitting with a bowl of oatmeal. And Jess is standing at our kitchen counter with sort of an egg sausage burrito type type of thing. And Gideon walks up to Jess and goes, Mom, I would like the burrito, please. You, you can have my oatmeal. Can we trade? And Jess is like, <laughs> sure. Great. So they trade. And about a minute later, Gideon, who's eating the burrito, comes back to Jess and goes, I'd like the oatmeal too. 
And I'm thinking, no, tell that kid he has breakfast. Tell him to get a job. But Jess goes, oh, oh, okay. She's got nothing. Gideon has all the breakfast. All means all. And if it's anything else, it just isn't. All is preposterous. So here's where it starts with our banner. All of Jesus for everyone. All of Jesus. And I want to submit to you that all is the portion of God that he's always desired to give to us. Nine paragraphs into the Bible, at the utter beginning of humanity and creation, God creates man and woman, and we see already his all is present. Read with me in Genesis 1. It's going to be behind me on the screen. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So listen, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Right from the start, the all of God is present in his image given to us. God's creation of us, of humanity, drips with his care and his intention of giving the entirety of himself to us in relationship. There's a built-in design. God, the creator, and man and woman, the human worshipful abider. God, the provider and protector and sustainer. Man and woman, the, the worshipful obeyer. There's a built-in design of the all being given to one another. And we know that that all was broken in a moment where Adam and Eve actually ungave. I'm making up a lot of words today, so just stick with me. Ungave their all from God. They unalled themselves. It's what the Bible calls sin. They made a choice to disobey, to step out of God's design of all giving, and the immovable and eternal ramifications happened immediately because man and woman's nature was irrevocably shifted fundamentally. We ungave our all. And you can see from God's response, his absolute brokenheartedness. In Genesis 3, verse 9, after Adam and Eve have sinned and God comes to meet with them in the Garden of Eden, he doesn't kick down the door and say, where the heck are you? Did he not know what had happened? No. But he says, where are you? Where are you? I'm here with my all. Where are you? And this taken back all on the part of man and woman has had, ramification, had ramifications instantly because, you see, God gave man and woman dominion over all of creation. He gave us a mandate, a position to rule over everything and a mandate to subdue the earth so the brokenness resulted by us unalling ourselves from God. You with me with what I mean by that? reverberates through all of creation in extreme brokenness. So the God who gave us the all of his image now had to give us his all in another way. And so from the generations of men and women, God began to reveal himself more clearly and some began to respond to him. And from these generations, God spoke to a man and a woman, Abraham and Sarah. And he said, I'll make you a great nation. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham and Sarah believed. 
And through Abraham, God began to raise up a family that began to extend Isaac, Jacob, sons, daughters, expanding. And from that family, God began to, God began to rise up a people, the people of Israel, all with the intention of blessing all of creation through him. And from that people, God raised up a nation that soon found themselves enslaved for generations in the land of Egypt. And God freed that nation and brought them out as a whole nation and began over time to reveal himself to them, systematically re-giving the all of God to them through his law, through his presence, through the prophets and priests. And Israel systematically unalled themselves from God. And they found themselves time after time destroyed by their own rebellion. But here's some really good news. The all of God is not just present in his image. The all of God is present in his plan. The all of God is present in his plan. There are some big chunks of scripture coming, and the screen behind me is going to get a workout. So let's read together, okay? In the depths of Israel's darkest rebellion, the epitome of exile and slavery, one of the darkest times without hope or, or strength, wallowing in the brokenness of being unalled from God, God spoke to them through the prophet Jeremiah. I'm going to read all of this for you in, the, in Jeremiah chapter 31. The days are coming. Listen, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Listen to these words and and remember them. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. There is a shift And suddenly, the God who gave all of himself in our image seems to have a plan to actually reunite us with all of him. God sounds like this can actually happen. How is this, how is this, how can this be? God, is this really what you intend? Is this really what God is doing? Where does God see this ending? Well, we started in Genesis, so let's go to the ending. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Hold on to your end times theology, which I am sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Do these words sound familiar? They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, the unalled order of things has passed away. I long for that moment. From the moment we unalled ourselves from God, he's been after us to restore us. And the all of God has been present in his plan. But this begs a deep and guttural, eternal, essential question. And that question is, how? 
How? How, God? How does this come about? One more big chunk of scripture. You ready? Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The all of God is not just present in his image and in his plan. The all of God is present in his son, Jesus. The all of God is present in his son, Jesus. The New Testament tells us this time and time again. The first chapter of Colossians, the son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. John chapter 1, the word Jesus was with God and the word Jesus was God. And the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Here, among us. Jesus in John 10 says, I and the Father are one. Which the original Greek for that, you know what it means? That he and the Father are one. No wonder he can say to his disciples not four chapters later, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, Jesus says, you will know my Father as well. From now on, listen to this, you do know him, and you have seen him. Why? Because you've seen me, Jesus. I am the all of God in your midst. The all of God is ultimately, fully, completely, and dare I say, finally revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So what's our response? God's all is given to us from the beginning in his image. When we unalled ourselves, God pursued us with his plan. He's fully revealed in the person of his son, Jesus So I want to submit to you that the all of God requires the yes of us. The all of God requires the yes of us. And it's yes in two ways. Well, it's yes specifically, firstly, to Jesus. It's yes to Jesus because that is, he is the one in whom God has fully revealed himself. And it's yes in two specific ways. And we're nearly done. We give our yes, firstly, to Jesus as our Savior. We give our yes to Jesus as Savior. The original brokenness that we have wrought on ourselves, it's an old-timey word, in our unalledness, that's a made-up word, from God, as we've unalled ourselves, that eternal separation that the Bible refers to as the state of death. Death is not the non-existence, it's the existence of separation. That eternal brokenness is solved and eradicated by God becoming man in Jesus Christ. The sinless, still all man. It's solved and eradicated by Jesus paying the price of that sin, that separation from God, paid with the price of death on the cross. That eternal separation is solved and eradicated when God raised Jesus from the dead, victorious over the price. The resurrection is the receipt. Eternal separation eradicated. 
And that eternal separation is solved and eradicated when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we say, yes, yes, you are the son of God. You are my savior. Paul puts it simply in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The gospel, the gospel is not, the gospel's not simple, it's just clear. The gospel's not watered down, it's just clear. We give our yes to Jesus as Savior. The all of God requires the yes of us, and we don't only give our yes to Jesus as Savior, we give our yes to Jesus as Lord. We give our yes to Jesus as Lord. Does it ever strike you that Jesus actually invited people to be his disciples by saying, come, follow me? If I'm following you, who's in front? Come, follow me. He made clear what the relationship looks like, and it's not a democracy. It's not a board meeting. God isn't your co-pilot. It's not a straw poll. Jesus is Lord. Come follow me. He says in Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's hard. You don't have that verse on your fridge. You just don't. You have Jeremiah 29, 11, and that's okay. K-Love does not intro anything with this verse. No matter the 50 times they play good, good father every day. This is a hard verse, but you know what? Jesus also says in John 10, I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd, what? Lays down his life for the sheep. Because Jesus is Lord, we have abundant life, and it's an abundant life laid down. Jesus is Lord. So yes to Jesus is Lord, I want to say it means this. We don't pick and choose our Jesus. You, we just don't. What Jesus are you comfortable with? I know what Jesus I'm comfortable with. Are we comfortable with the healing Jesus, but not the authoritative, truthful teacher? Are we comfortable with the freedom we have in Jesus, that life abundant? But don't talk to me about the Jesus that recognizes, ministers to, and loves deeply the marginalized and forgotten. Oh, I got more. Are we in awe of the abundant life that we have in Jesus, but we don't want anything to do with sacrifice and generosity? Do we yearn for clear, humble leadership, but have no muscle of submission? Do we have a yearning for and a reverence for God's word, but are we wary of the Holy Spirit moving in power? Or are we looking for the next book written by that person about what the Holy Spirit's doing, but we haven't opened our Bible in how long? What Jesus are we comfortable with? Because the invitation of come follow me is to all of Jesus. Come follow me, he says. Yes, Lord. 
we say. The all of God requires the yes of us. All of Jesus, all of Jesus, all of Jesus. The all of God present in his image, in his plan, in his son Jesus. The all of God requiring the yes of us. Yes to Jesus as Savior, yes to Jesus as Lord. All of Jesus. For who? For everyone. For everyone. And that's where Steve is going to take us next week. We're going to look at the for everyone aspect of this banner. You know, I was praying about, uh, I was praying about what God wants to do this morning. I'm always praying about what God wants to do when we gather together. But I think there's something of these two yeses to Jesus. And I want to say firstly that if you have never said yes to Jesus as your Savior, God is still asking the same question that he was in Genesis chapter 3. He's asking, where are you? I'm here. I've, I've come to give my all to you. You bear, you bear my image. I long to restore our allness together. And I've done that through Jesus. And as the Bible teaches us, we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. We believe with our heart that God raised him from the dead. And if there is anyone here today that has never done that, I want to say today is the day. Today is the day. And if that's you, please don't leave today without coming and talking to me because we're going to place your faith in Jesus today and say yes to Jesus as Savior. And maybe you have said yes to Jesus as your Savior. And maybe you've picked and chosen your Jesus a little bit. And there's some areas where you say, Jesus is Lord, except for here. Can I just say to us, church in the city, the honor and privilege of being a church family together, that is swelled and carried and celebrated because we are all carrying the same banner of Jesus is who he says he is and who he has asked us to be And what he's asked us to do is come, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And I know for me, even as I'm preparing this, because it's a little known secret that preachers aren't perfect at what they preach. Man, I'm convicted on areas where I say, I need to re-say, yes, Lord. Re-say, yes, Lord. And I just feel right now that the Lord is highlighting areas of that. Not in a judgmental way. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But a way that God is actually still saying, where are you? Where are you? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Come follow me. You know me as Savior. Why don't you know me fully as Lord? I just want to invite anyone right now to stand who wants to have the fuller expression of saying yes to Jesus as Lord. I know it's, it can be a bit awkward. I'm standing too, so you won't be the only one. And I just want to pray for you. If you want a fuller expression, if you're saying, I, I want to re-say the fullness of yes to the Lord, would you stand? And don't stand because other people are standing. Come on, I've been church, in church for a long time. Stand because God is speaking. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. We are church in the city This local church, Jesus is our head. He builds our church. And Jesus, 
you have the full prerogative of lordship. We are desperately, wonderfully at your feet. We worship you and thank you for saying, come, follow me. Thank you, Lord, for your plan. Thank you for your image. Thank you, Father, that you've placed the fullness of who you are in Jesus. And the place we are heading is that holy presence forever and ever. And the ministry you have given us is reconcile people to you. So, Lord, we want the fullness where, the, where there are uncolored in places in our hearts where your lordship is not welcome. Would you break those down right now in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord, that you're doing it gently. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing to mind the marginalized and the forgotten. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing to mind right now people who think differently, act differently, live differently. And you're bringing to mind the fact that you have a deep and abiding love for them. And you want us to carry that as well. Thank you, Lord, that you're reminding hearts right now of the authority of your word. The authority of your word. That your word is not passed away. That it doesn't fade away. Your word is not antiquated. It's not, it's not out of date or out of touch. Your word is the power. The gospel power for salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you're breaking down in hearts right now a fear and a wariness of you moving in power supernaturally. Thank you that you're breaking that away. Oh, Lord, the areas I can't even name, would you remold our hearts to say, yes, Lord, all of Jesus, the unpicked and unchosen parts, all of Jesus, we worship you. You have our supreme worship and praise and adoration, all of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen, amen, thanks. Next week, you guys can be seated. Next week, we continue taking up that banner of all of Jesus for everyone. Join us, don't miss it. Thanks again for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and visit us at churchinthecity.us.